In today's Trouble with the Snap, we will be previewing a marquee week six before getting a message from a guest providing a story on a very traumatic event that happened in her life. Roll the intro. Nick Michigan State's Dalen West takes in and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable! Hello everybody, my name is Colton Deutsch. Welcome back to Trouble with the Snap. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and academic weapon, Will Shemansky. Will, how's it going? I'm doing alright, how are you, sir? Not too bad, not too bad. Just looking forward to the weekend, trying to push through. For sure. I'm, uh... Gosh, it's this week has been a bit of a struggle for me up to this point. I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't really want to go into too much detail about that, but man, I just cannot wait for the weekend. Yeah, school gets school is kind of picking up a bit. Yeah, it, it's getting a little bit hectic if I'm being completely honest. I mean, it's kind of unfair for you. You have to focus on a pretty big matchup at home. You need yeah. to protect field so that is true you know that's been weighing on my mind the entire time in class this week like that's probably why i haven't really gotten anything done as it should be i mean you're putting in just as much work as the team is exactly so. exactly um yeah I mean, we just how, how, well, we well hang on how how is how's your week going it's pretty good i only have i don't have class on friday so no, that's exciting. headed to dallas on friday i have a little presentation to do, to do tomorrow, two classes, but shouldn't be too bad. I'm just looking forward to to the State Fair, the Cotton Bowl. It's my favorite game of the year. It's such a fun atmosphere, and I can't wait. But I know uh, there definitely isn't – there are not things – there aren't many things that are more fun than having a marquee home game. So I'm sure College Station is shaping up to be pretty wild this weekend. I, f- I feel like wild's a bit of an understatement. Um, Colton, when you're at the state fair though, can you, um, can you bring me home a corn dog if you don't mind? I love those there. Those are fantastic. I'm not really yeah. a corn dog guy, but those are really good. I will be completely honest. When I was a kid and I used to go to the state fair, like once a year, I actually reached the point where I thought it was a good investment to buy a Fletcher's corn dog t-shirt. And so I still have a corn dog t-shirt from the state fair from like 10 years ago, somewhere in my closet. That's a great shirt. I know they sell some Red River Showdown Shootout Rivalry whatever shirts that have the Fletcher's corn dog on it. They're pretty mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Do you indulge in any of the fried stuff? Do I like any other fried stuff? Is that what you said? Yeah. Like, do you ever like? Would you indulge? Did you have any favorites? Um, I believe so. I don't really branch out into that too much, aside from like funnel cake. Um, but I think a couple years ago I had a fried Oreo, and it was actually pretty good. Um, I had a fried Coke one time. Oh, right, right, right. So, I, yeah, it's, I completely forgot about that. My mom, um, she is, uh, when it comes to, like, food like that, she's always kind of open to trying new ones like that. And I remember we were walking by one of those vendors, and she's like, oh, there's fried Coke. We've got to try it. And I'm like, okay, sure. And I had a bite, and I didn't really know what to make of it. Yeah, I, I don't – I had it a long time ago, but I don't really – 
remember it being that life changing. So to my knowledge, um, the fried Oreo that I had, it true, like it was actually really good because it was, it truly is like a little fried dough ball with like sprinkled all over the top with powdered sugar. And then you take a bite and it's kind of like kind of melted chocolate on the inside. And it was, it's really good if you ever get around to it this weekend. Thing is, it's just so, it's so crowded over there, but I, I like yeah. to get there like a, a little early. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go to college game day. I feel like once you go to game day once, there's not really a reason to go back, but yeah, that's a good point. I do like getting there at least a little early to walk around, see everything and then head into the cotton bowl. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you remember what happened to us last year? That dude sitting like three rows behind us. Yeah, that was so funny. Yeah. So people that don't know, we were at Texas OU last year, and the game was never really in question. And this guy, a few rows behind us, just lit up a joint and pretty much just hotboxed our whole row. Just out of nowhere. He was about two rows behind us. I'd say he's probably mid-50s or so, so definitely like parent dad age whatnot. And, you know, Colt and I were just standing there watching the game, and all of a sudden we were completely engulfed by this cloud. And you take one uh, one whiff of it, and you immediately know what it is. So we turned around and saw this dude just living his best life behind us, just ripping a joint at um, at the Cotton Bowl, and that was a uh, that was quite an experience, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, I would I would kill to be that relaxed on on any game day. I'm hoping that the result this week allows me to be relaxed, but yeah, we'll see. All right, let's uh let's jump into a few of these games. Where do you uh where do you want to start? Let's start with an undefeated Big Ten matchup. We have the Maryland Terrapins, Crab Cakes, and football going to the Ohio State in Columbus. Shout out Donovan Jackson. Yeah, Maryland undefeated here. They haven't played anyone great, but they're taking care of business. Two Leah Tugavailo is a senior now. Jay Sean Jones is quite the weapon for them. At running back, he can do some work out of the backfield receiving as well. Ohio State here, they're coming off a bye week after that big win against Notre Dame. I think Ohio State gets it done here pretty convincing. And I think, yeah, they get another big win as they hope to head to Michigan undefeated at the end of the year. You know, getting a win like this against Maryland, especially in Columbus, it, it almost feels like it's a no question. Um, but, yeah, anyways, let's uh, jump to the SEC a little bit. Um, LSU at Missouri in Columbia. This will be a pretty interesting game, pretty exciting game. Um, you know, Missouri is undefeated. LSU is not, as we know. Um but, you know, you got Jaden Daniels. You got that experience, somewhat LSU offense rolling in, rolling into town, taking on a Luther Burden and his Tiger. It's a battle of Tigers, by the way. I just, I just realized that. Um, anyways, I, um, I'm excited about this game personally um, because, you know, LSU and the SEC West, considering what's going on here at AM, this could have quite a bit of uh, quite large implications um, for those standings. But for the time being, um, yeah, let's just. Uh, I, I don't even. I apologize. I, my brain is so cooked from school. So if if I kind of kind of have some word soup going on, that's 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 the explanation for it. But anyways, long story short, LSU. Um, I'm liking them in this game. I think it'll be a good bounce back opportunity. I mean, Lord knows if uh, their defense, which is just abysmal, trying to cover Luther Burden, um, that that's just not a good matchup. But ultimately, I do think LSU's offense will be too much for Missouri. And unfortunately, I do have the Missouri Tigers taking their first loss of the year at the hands of the Bayou Bengals. Um, wow, that was that was tough for me to get through. I'm sorry about that. Well, it was a battle of two Tigers, so it can always be tough to differentiate the two. But I want to jump in this real quick. I thought you were going to go with Missouri. I've been kind of back and forth here. 
I love what I've seen from Brady Cook, Luther Burden, Theo Weasio, you transfer from Mizzou, has looked also really good at receiver. But, yeah, I just think LSU's in desperation mode, and I don't really have much reasoning for it, but I just think that they're going to get it done. So, yeah, I hope I'm wrong. I don't dislike LSU, but I think Mizzou's kind of a fun team. So, Yeah, I mean, this but the I'm thing with go. LSU, the thing with LSU, their biggest downfall, of course, is their defense. And you know, they sometimes they got gaps in there the size of Jupiter, and it's absolutely crazy, um, just how, just how much better their offense is than their defense. And you know, Missouri, as he said, got weapons: Theo Weiss, Luther Burden, of course. Um, so if they can exploit some of those um, mismatch opportunities that they will have. Um, then certainly look out for Missouri. However, I do still think Jaden Daniels will be too much for that Missouri defense. Should be a great SEC shootout. Probably reminiscent of some old Big 12 games. But, yeah, let's jump into Washington State at UCLA. Big road test for Cam Ward and undefeated Washington. Thankfully for Dante Moore, he gets a bit of home field advantage here in L.A. It should be beautiful. I will. I know you're from California, I love going to the beach there. Picking up some seashells was one of my favorite things to do as a kid. But, yeah, in this game, UCLA has a really good defense. I like Dante Moore. I think he's going to be a star. But I'm liking the Cougs a lot here. And I think Cam Ward has experience. I think that they get it done here and they stay undefeated. I, uh, I, hate, in, hang yeah. on, I, I hate to correct you real quick. I, I'm, I, I did live in California for a year and a half, but I'm a, I'm a through and through Texan. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. It just had that a differentiation. Exactly. Let's jump into Virginia Tech at Florida State. Yeah, for Brent Prime, Virginia Tech, this is – I mean, they have a true rebuild ahead, and they are not a good team. But for Florida State, I think you would like to see them be a little bit more dominant, especially them being a top-five team. So I think being at home in Tallahassee, Jordan Travis, Keon Coleman, and Johnny Wilson put up a lot of points, and they handle the Hokies convincingly. Syracuse at North Carolina, Drake May in the famous words of Caleb Presley. Yeah, Syracuse and Garrett Trader, they have a pretty good team. They took their first loss last week to Clemson here, but Carolina's still undefeated. It, to me, it doesn't feel like they're that good, but they – and here they are. They're still undefeated, and I think they keep that going. I'm, I'm looking to – I'm hoping that Drake May has a bit of a better game. I think – we know how talented he is, but I don't think he's been as sharp this year as he can be in the Carolina running game with O'Marion Hampton has been really good. So I think they're going to keep it rolling. And yeah, I think Carolina stays undefeated. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I definitely got North Carolina in this game as well, especially considering that the game is in Chapel Hill. Um, I also agree with what you're saying about Drake May. You know, it's not looking good at all for my preseason Heisman pick. Um, that was probably stupid of me to call my shot so early, but you know, I just had to get it in and if it landed, that would have been incredible. Um, Anyways, I definitely got North Carolina in this game. You know, Syracuse, as you said, they just took their first loss of the season last week against Clemson at home. Um, so when you take a loss like that at home and now you got to travel to arguably a better opponent uh, the next week and on the road, um, that just went from bad to worse, I feel like, in my opinion. So I definitely have North Carolina taking care of business in this game. Let's look at a big undefeated SEC East matchup here, Kentucky and Mark Stoops travel between the hedges to Georgia, the two-time defending national champions. For Georgia, look, it, it feels like they still have some things to work out. They got their receiver 
Lad McCogney back last week, which is a big get for them to have him back. But yeah, I mean, Carson back in this offense has not been as elite as you would hope. It's really just been Brock Bowers kind of carrying the load here. So for me, this this feels like a game that Georgia kind of reasserts their their dominance. But I don't know. I don't. I'm not counting out Georgia by any means in the big picture, uh, you know, kind of long term. But I don't know. I don't think that Georgia has been struggling because they're sleepwalking. I think they just kind of have some issues. I think that them losing Todd Munkin and going to Mike Bobo is a major downgrade. But here with Kentucky, Ray Davis ran the ball very well this week, but I have not seen enough from Devin Leary. I was pretty high on before the year that I can pick the Wildcats here. So I think Georgia gets it done by double digits. I like that. Um, you know, as for Kentucky, it all comes down to their ground game. And as you're saying, you know, Ray Davis, you know, he's he's looked phenomenal this year to this point. I think he actually leads the entire SEC in rushing yards going into this game. So he clearly is the most significant factor for Kentucky's attack on offense. Um, as for Georgia, I also agree with what you're saying. I don't think what we're seeing now up to this point, it's not like they're um, – I don't think we've, we've already kind of phased out of the sleepwalking stage of the season, and now there's some concerns, some questions about that team. Um, at the end of the day, though, the game still is at home for Georgia, and, you know, that's one of the best crowds in the entire country, best student sections, and I don't see them losing in this instance. I do still think Carson Beck does just enough to get the job done ultimately for Kirby Smart and his Bulldogs. Um, as for Kentucky, you know, it's a magical season up to this point. And I don't want to say the magic certainly runs out just yet because, you know, as, as shaky as this Georgia team has looked up to this point, you know, if Kentucky say they dropped this game but went out the rest of the schedule, there still certainly could be a case for them to be playing in Atlanta for a conference championship. But ultimately, I do think as of right now, um, Georgia will get this job done. Let's look into Notre Dame going to undefeated Louisville. Papa John Stadium should be rocking their first-year coach, Jeff Brom. He's the he's almost the chosen one for Louisville. They they courted him for years, and they were finally able to get him. He comes home. They're five and zero behind the arm of Jack Plummer. And look, any first-year coach starting off five and zero, three and zero in conference. Very impressive, and all you can ask them to do is win the games but that, that they have on the schedule. But we mentioned the preseason. They have a pretty favorable schedule, and they haven't beaten anyone of note yet. Notre Dame is getting some of their receivers back. It looks like they're getting a bit healthier. And I think Sam Harmon in this offense looks more in sync, smoother here, and I think they hand Louisville their first loss of the season. I'm right there with you. Um, you know, Notre Dame obviously last week took on a extremely tough opponent in Duke. Um, game came down to the wire, but at the end of the day, they still emerged victorious and walked away with a dub. Um, you know, I, uh, Duke, I feel like gave, uh, or, or pre- Duke presented much more of a defensive challenge, um, than what I believe Louisville will do on Saturday. So ultimately I have Notre Dame coming away with this one and I think it will be fairly quite, quite easy for, um, Sam Hartman and Marcus Freeman. Apologies for that. Um, okay, now let's jump in a little bit to Arkansas Ole Miss. This is a huge game showdown in the SEC West. You know, Arkansas coming off that 27, what was, I can't even tell you the final score. Um, either way, Arkansas is coming off a loss last week against AM. You know, AM um, feels like they're on one end of the spectrum compared to Ole Miss on the defensive side of the ball. You know, AM's top. 
top five, top three in the country, um, or excuse me, in the conference, um, in the majority of defensive statistics and Ole Miss certainly is not. And so it'll be really interesting to see just how KJ Jefferson, uh, responds and how he, um, just how he, yeah, just how he responds. Um, Another thing of note as well, early in the game last week, I believe it was on the first drive for Arkansas, they lost their true freshman um, star tight end. I apologize. I cannot think of his name right now. Um, but anyways, he went down with like a collarbone injury or a shoulder injury, and so it'll be really interesting, really interesting to see if he is able to go in this game. Um, as for Ole Miss, you know, Jackson Dart played like an absolute stud last week. Uh, Quinshawn Judkins really got going on the ground, and Ole Miss just had an offensive onslaught. Um, against LSU. And so it'll be really interesting to see um, if they are able to carry that momentum into this game. Once again, this game is in Oxford and quite honestly, I expect Ole Miss will get the job done um, with little questions asked. All right, let's hop into the game. I will be at in the cotton bowl. OU playing Texas. Debates whether it's OU Texas or Texas OU. Texas won last year, so it's Texas OU. I want to preface this because I'm going to pick Texas to win here, and I don't want to sound like a cocky or biased Texas fan here. I absolutely despise Oklahoma. I hate them so much, but I have the utmost respect for their program. They're one of the best programs in the history of college football, no questions asked. And you always got to respect Oklahoma. And look, in this game, rivalry game, you never know what can happen. This game, aside from last year, I believe the previous eight games before last year were all decided by one score. So it's always going to be a pretty good game. I just I think this is a bad matchup for Oklahoma. I think it's big for them having Dylan Gabriel back. But look, this year, OU has had one run of more than 20 yards through five games against a schedule that's not very good. I think that Dylan Gabriel's a fine quarterback. I think their running backs, Marcus Major and Gavin Shuck, are fine as well. Jalil Farouk and Drake Soups, I think, are pretty good receivers. Nick Anderson's a good young freshman. Andrew M's a good tackle there. But they have a couple good guys on defense. But I I honestly just think that Texas is better. It has an advantage at pretty much every position outside of the kicking game. And – I think Texas has a huge advantage on both lines of scrimmage. I think OU has not been able to run the ball well this year. And if Texas is going to be able to stop the run, only having three or four down linemen, I think that bodes very well for the Longhorns. I just think outside of some big play scores, which the Longhorns have been prone to giving up this year with some coverage busts in the back end, I think if they can avoid that, I think it's going to be very hard for Oklahoma to to really score many points this week. I think, I think Texas could win scoring – 24 points, maybe even 20. And offensively, I think, once again, Tex has an advantage on the offensive line over OU's D-line. And I think that Tex has been fair, has been fairly vanilla the last two weeks. I expect Sark to have a pretty good game plan here. One key, to, one key thing to watch here is star tight end JT Sanders went out of the game last week with an ankle injury. It sounds like he's going to play, but you never know in this game how coaches are going to be. With the media also starting cornerback Ryan Watts, I don't expect him to play, but you never know. Sark said day-to-day, so we'll have to see there. But, yeah, like I said, I can't account for any Red River voodoo magic. I don't know if Art Bryles will be hanging out on the OU sideline like he does in Norman. But 
yeah, I I think outside of some crazy turnovers and OU playing an A-plus game, I think that the Longhorns get it done here, and I think that they cover. So I will agree with you on that one as well. Um, I, I agree with what you just said about how Texas completely just outmans them. Um, on the O-line, the D-line, just pretty much in every facet of the game, aside from kicking. Um, however, I will say for Oklahoma, um, their best chance in this game at all is if Texas, uh, we talked about this last episode, if Texas comes out to one of their kind of slow starts that we've seen them do a few times this year, and if OU is able to take advantage of that, then this game will be a lot closer than it probably should be. But ultimately, if Texas takes care, uh, takes care of that, um, handles their business right from the get-go, then I think this game could get pretty ugly um, pretty soon. I'm not going to say it'll get probably as ugly as last year, um, but I definitely think it could get out of hand come early fourth quarter. And I want to I want to add, I was not high on Oklahoma in the preseason. They're a little bit better than I thought, and I think that they're definitely good enough that even if Texas smashes them, I think they could maybe get another crack in Arlington in early December, but and look, this is why you play the game. It's a rivalry game. And, I mean, there have been way worse Texas teams that have beaten OU teams and way worse OU teams that have given really good Texas teams. Pretty good fight here. But, yeah, I mean, like I said, I can't account for any rivalry voodoo, any crazy turnovers. I think if Texas plays to their standard, it's just a bad matchup for Oklahoma. I felt really confident about this game for about six or seven months now. But we'll see. You know that OU is going to come out fiery. They're going to be embarrassed after last year. But – yeah, this is my favorite game ever, electric stadium and atmosphere, but I think the Longhorns get it done. Yeah, I I agree. Um, all right, now if you don't mind, could we uh, pivot to the game that I will be at this weekend? Let's do it. All right, so Alabama at A&M. Huge, huge, huge game. I don't, I don't even have to explain why. Um you know, the winner, whoever emerges victorious out of this game will have outright first place in the SEC West. As for Alabama, that's just any other season. But for a and I, I can't think of a time where they had outright first place in the West at any point, probably ever since even joining the conference. Um, so it, it'll be a really interesting game, really tough game. Um, you know, the, the main thing for AM is seeing if that defense and that consistency that we've seen over the past two weeks um, is able to if, and see that momentum that they've built up. Uh, it's um, it'll be interesting to see if that momentum will continue into Alabama, who presents a lot more challenges on both sides of the ball than Arkansas and Auburn have shown up to this point. Um, you know, I'm looking for a big game, especially out of Max Johnson, as expected. Um, you know, he's looked really poised, really comfortable back in the pocket and under center whatnot ever since he had to step in for the injured Connor Wigman. Um, and, you know, he's he's got the offense going uh, for pretty well, and um, it'll be really interesting to see just what type of game plan Bobby Petrino and Coach Fisher draw up for arguably the most talented defense uh, the Ags will see all year. Um, as for Alabama, this, you know, ultimately comes down to what I believe will be uh, the play of Jalen Milrow. As we know, Jalen Milrow is, um, he excels at two plays and kind of, I, I don't want to say sucks, but doesn't do well at. On the others, he's really good at the deep ball and he's really good at scramble, draw plays, just utilizing his legs. And so the thing for them is that if, um, 
the AM secondary, which as we have seen up to this point is pretty prone to coverage bust to things like that. And if, um, if Alabama is going to win this game, I believe it'll ultimately come down to just how well Jalen Moreau spins that deep ball because that is AM's weakest link on defense up to this point is man covered and zone coverage with their DBs and their secondary. Um, so it, I believe that this game for Alabama will come down to much more the success of the Jalen Milrow led passing attack than it probably will his legs. Um, ultimately, though, um, this game. I don't even know how to call this game up to this point because I want to say cautiously optimistic that I, I really like the action in this game, especially with it being at Kyle Field, 230 primetime slot CBS. Um, I really want to say the Ags, but I could also easily say Alabama. So can I just take the rare undecided choice here, Colton? Because truly I, I have no idea who to pick in this game. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm pretty back and forth on who I'm going to pick here too. Um, so, so it's going to be yeah. a tie. Yeah, it'll be a zero, zero tie. That's exactly what's going to happen. There we go. The no. four, one and one Texas A&M. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Um, if I had to make a choice, I, I'm not saying this because I'm an Aggie. Cause I'm a student here right now. I actually do believe that if that Aggie defense is humming and the student sections rocking and all that, I do think the Aggie offense will prove, or will get it done just enough um, to beat Alabama. But ultimately, I, th- I think this game will be a complete and total slugfest, and I'm here for it. Um, those make for the most fun type of games, and you know, especially with the biggest opponent we will have on our schedule the entire year, it feels like, um, yeah, I, 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 I would say I like the action in this game, actually. I'm very excited for this game. I hope I get the chance to watch it. My plan is hopefully, look, if Texas loses, like I might just jump off the Ferris wheel. I've talked so much crap this week and like I'll eat my crow if I don't launch myself off my apartment building. But yeah, I'm hoping I'll be in a good mood and I'll get to watch this game because I'm really excited for it. I think this game is interesting because both O-lines are pretty big questions for me, but both D-lines are not questions for me. Those are two very, very good defensive lines here. Quarterback-wise, I've got to give the edge to Max Johnson, but I'm a little nervous with his turnovers that he had last week. Although Jalen Miller being on the road, I don't know. This game I think is really tough to call. I think it's going to come down to special teams. I think who can convert in the red zone. I think it's going to be a very, very low-scoring game. I think maybe 20 points could get this one done for either team here. I am just a bit concerned, or actually very concerned, about AM secondary. I think that Alabama gets this done in a really close game. I think either way, this game decided by three to six points. I think Bama probably is the best kicker in the country. And I tend to think that a Nick Saban team is just going to be getting better as the year goes on. But, I mean, I could I could truly see this game going either way. I'm going to lean the Crimson Tide here in a really tight one, but nothing would surprise me here. Actually, any sort of blowout would be a big surprise for me. I think this is a very close game either way. The thing, too, is that um, you look back at last year, which was obviously AM's weakest team since joining the SEC, and the year before, the last time Alabama made the trip to Kyle, um, those were both one-score games, uh, regardless of rankings, regardless of roster talent, etc. And so um, these past few matchups have 
been such tight knit games so close. I see absolutely, you know, no reason to not believe that this next installment of this matchup will be any different. Um, but I do ultimately still think the Ags will get the job done. But I'm also I've also been drinking a crap ton of maroon Kool Aid all week, so that may just be that talking at the moment. I mean, this could really just come down to this really could just come down to quarterback play. If I mean, if neither team's able to establish a run, then this could just see which quarterback's better. I would leave Max Johnson there, but who knows? Monroe's a little bit more dynamic. But I'm interested to see if. How is Bama going to use this game plan? Because I think that against most teams, the rest of the year, Bama could probably just do what they did against Mississippi State and have Milrow throw 12 to 15 times and pick up a win. They cannot do that here. So, yeah, we'll see. Honestly, maybe now I'm talking myself out of my Alabama pick. I don't know. I, like, I think this game is – this game could really go either way. Yeah. But I'll roll with the Tide here, but I, I don't feel too confident going either way. Yeah. All right, um, that will just about do it for our previews and analysis of certain games. You want to jump into the locks of the week real quick? Yep, so my first lock of the week, which, by the way, both of them hit last week, so run to Vegas anytime you hear me speak. I am going to roll with the Kansas Jayhawks minus one and a half at home against Central Florida. I think the Jayhawks get a bounce back win here, and they do it by more than one and a half points. They should have... Jalen Daniels back. Even if they don't, I still think that they get this done. UCF has really struggled. They still do not have John Rice Plumley, and they blew a 28-point lead to Baylor last week, so they're probably pretty down in the dumps about that. And, yeah, the Jayhawks are at home. So, yeah, give me KU to cover there. And I'm going to go with Michigan again. I don't particularly like this Michigan team. I think they're kind of corny, as we mentioned, with the whole Jim Harbaugh holding up the force thing. But – they're a very good team, and I think minus 19, even on the road against Minnesota, I think they get that done because Minnesota has been really, really bad this year. So, yeah, I mean, row the boat is not going too well right now, and I think Michigan minus 19 is a lock. I like those picks. I really do. Um, okay, as for my locks, I know that I predicted LSU to beat Missouri in Columbia um, this upcoming weekend, excuse me. Um, however, I did not necessarily make a score prediction. So in this front, I am taking Missouri plus five and a half. Um, although I don't think that they will win outright, I do still think that they will cover the plus five and a half. Um, so that's what I'm looking for out of Mizzou this week. My other lock of the week is Notre Dame at Louisville. The line in that game is Notre Dame minus six and a half. Um, I realize that Sam Hartman and company are on the road in Louisville. Um, but ultimately, I do still think they cover, especially um, as Colton mentioned earlier. Notre Dame is, uh, I believe, getting back one of their stud wide receivers from injury going into this game. So I'm really liking Notre Dame on the road this week, minus six and a half. I like the Mizzou pick, even though you even though you picked them to lose. I still That's think I still topic. think they'll, I still think they'll cover. I do, because um, you know L, as I talked about, I can talk about it for hours. Um, yeah, LSU's defense is just not there right now, and with the likes of you know Luther Burden whatnot leading the SEC in receptions. Um, I still think Luther Burden could have a field day, but I just also think LSU's offense is too much to handle, so that's why I'm choosing Mizzou plus five and a half. 
Yeah, I see that as a 38-35 type of game. Shout out to Eli Drinkwitz, by the way. He was kind of on the hot seat before the year, and they're currently 5-0 and with a chance to clinch bowl eligibility against a big-name program at home. So They wrote me off, but I didn't write back. Yeah, Luther Burton wasn't playing. Mm-mm. But, yeah, I think that'll just about wrap up our locks of the week and our week six preview. I think that I know Will and I are both extremely excited for our games. And, yeah, hopefully since our games are a bit earlier, we'll have the chance to get out of our stadiums and watch some of the other awesome games that will be going on. But yeah, let's uh, – we have kind of a uh, special segment here. We have – Canavan, who has joined the show before, had a pretty traumatic experience today. So she's going to give us a little insight on what it's like getting stuck in an elevator. So Canavan, take it away. I'm really excited to be back here, guys. Honestly, it's a pleasure. Um, So today I'd like to talk about getting stuck in an elevator. And about a year ago, this happened to me, actually, um, where I got stuck in the elevator of my apartment and um, we had to have the firefighters called and we climbed out of the little latch on top of the elevator. And then today I'm in the same elevator and it gets stuck again. And then all the lights turn off and I'm sitting there in the dark trying to call for help. I don't have service on my phone, just like back in Waco and um, nobody's answering. They finally answer, the help guys answer me, and they say there's an ETA of an hour, and then they hang up on me. And so I'm still just stuck. Um, But then eventually the firemen came and they saved me. They pulled me out of that elevator. But I hate this building. It was really traumatic. But one more thing. That's also a very good sign for the UT Alabama game. Oklahoma. Oopsies. Yes. <laughs> U-T-O-U. Yeah, that's a good sign for – thank you, Canavan. That was that was, that was was awesome, but very traumatic. I'm sorry that, that that happened. A few of us tried to go down and pry open the elevator doors, but eventually gave up and went up to watch TV as Canavan. Yeah, thanks. Well, I mean, we called. We called 911, so. They did. You, you yeah, did, we you did, did our part. You left it to the professionals. But, yeah, like Kevin was saying, this is very good news because mm-hmm. this happened to her last year, right before Texas OU, yeah. and then the Longhorns got the W. So, I mean, if if Texas wins again this week, you might have to just make this a yearly thing. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, I'm sorry that happens. I mean, that's that is that's never fun. By the way, mm-hmm. I, I forgot to mention this. I got a bird pooped on me the other day. Where? How? I was leaving the gym. And a bird just pooped on me. It was on my shirt, so it wasn't the end of the world, but it was it was pretty disgusting. And it was a new shirt too. It was a uh, hey, it's not funny. I mean, it's, it's I I got this. It's not funny. It's hilarious. I was so excited. I got this 2006 Alamobile shirt. It was Cole McCoy's freshman year, and I I was so proud of that thing. I wore it out. I just I mean the Alamobile. I hate that place. I've been there so much, but the shirt itself, I thought was, I thought was pretty cool. But yeah, I'm leaving the gym. I hear some birds making some noise, and all of a sudden, there's a bird poop on my shirt. So that was uh, definitely not ideal. But 
you know, got home, showered for about two and a half hours, and then threw that baby in the washing machine, a little OxyClean, and got the job done. So sure, it's good as new, but yeah, I apparently it's good luck. Someone told me that, but is yeah. that is that that person telling you it's good luck? Is that just a way of justifying them being absolutely shat on by a bird? I mean, that thing got me. Thank, I mean, seriously, though, thank God that was on a shirt and not any part of my body. I would have – I think I would have just jumped into the nearest lake or any – I don't even know what I would have done. You would have jumped in the Ladybird Lake? Yeah, I would have jumped in there. It was – I don't know. So that was definitely pretty traumatic. But I will actually say when I was a kid in that year and a half we did live in California, there was a time uh, my family and I went to lunch at like – I don't know, like – one o'clock in the afternoon. It was right on the beach, a lot of seagulls. And after we were finished eating, we all decided to walk on the beach. And well, that's when a bird decided to literally dump on my entire family. And I believe walking when I walked away from that, I had bird poop at least in my hair and on my shirt. And you know, it got on my sister, and my dad, and that was just a, a really magical experience and a great way to bond with my family. That's way worse. Yeah, it, it was. It was bad. Jeez. I don't know if it's as bad as getting stuck in an elevator, but yeah, I mean, choose your choose your trauma, I guess you know. Yeah, that's so pretty traumatic week for all of us, actually. Yeah. All right. Well, on that note, I think that will just about close out the show. Uh, Colton, do you have any final comments? Wish me luck in Dallas. It's gonna be it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna be on my A game. Hopefully there's uh, no older fans sitting behind you telling you to sit down and stop making so much noise. Yeah, trust me. Texas OU, there is no sitting down. It won't happen. <laughs> you know you went last year. I do know, yeah. Uh, and I'm sorry I can't make it again this year because I know I'm your kind of good luck charm at that game. Yeah, you have a really good track record. So we'll see. If uh, if there's another joint getting lit up behind us, I'll let you know. Okay, that's like that's like the bat signal in the sky for me. Just text me and I'll, I'll make the three-hour drive. Yeah, he's there immediately. You can make it back for the fourth quarter of your game. Yeah, it'll be no problem. I mean, it'll be 0-0 zero to zero in the fourth, so you, you won't miss anything. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yes, yeah, me, a really fun weekend. Good luck to you in College Station. I'm sure it's going to be you. incredible atmosphere. I've never been to AM for a huge game, but even when I've gone for games against Prairie View, it's still a pretty loud stadium, and I know it's going to be rocking on Saturday, so it's going to be a lot of fun. We got to get you up for one game. I went to the arguably the biggest game on Texas' schedule every year with you last year. I got to get you up to one of these games sometime soon. We'll find a game later in the year. We'll figure something out. All right. But anyways, that will just about do it for us here on our latest episode. Thank you very much for listening. Canavan, thank you for your testimony, I guess, that you just gave about the elevator. Um, we hope you enjoyed, and we will talk to you all next week as we break down all the madness that is happening this upcoming weekend. Also, I forgot to mention – Jayhawks are not real. You just had to throw it out there? Well, they're my lock of the week, and I forgot to mention it during Texas-Kansas, but really cool mascot, but yeah, those are not real birds. <laughs> Perfect way to close out the show. Thank yeah, you all. Out there, yeah, thank you all.